Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Andre Carlisle of Diaspora United and Black and Red United. Andre, how's it going? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. And thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, maybe this is a good first question is, do you feel like you have yet recovered from the intense uh, match weeks that Washington has had over the last two weeks? You know, and we'll get into it, but no. So I can only imagine what the players are going through. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a brutal one. Yeah. You know, it's rough when like media, media and fans are tired and then you're like, well, we weren't even playing the game. We were just (laughs) watching them. Right. So yeah, so that's probably the theme for this week. If we're gonna if we're gonna talk with anything, it's going to be uh, we are done with the Challenge Cup, right? But it feels like we're still getting its ripple effect, especially in this, uh, I guess, technically third match weekend of the regular season. Except only some teams have played three, some teams have played two, uh, some teams have played one, and so yeah. that's kind of the the situation that we find ourselves in. It's very lopsided. So I think we're going to start with the teams that are doing well to start with, because, uh, you know, props to them. Same thing as last week, a little bit of a surprise. We have San Diego Wave on nine points in three games. Andre, thoughts? <laughs> I'm amazed. I didn't think that this was something that was possible. Uh, I do think they were helped out quite a bit by, well, a number of things. I think they, they, Both California teams, expansion teams, took a different route towards building their rosters, and I thought that was really great. But also I think the Challenge Cup helped them quite a bit because they were, especially the group that they were in, you know, going up against O.L. Reign, going up against Portland is going to be, you know, intense, and they were able to cope with that even though they didn't get a a ton of results. They got a lot of experience, and they got a lot, you know, uh, got, got to combine together as a team in ways, in a lot of ways before the regular season started, and kind of what we're seeing now is kind of, it seems like it's evidence of that. Yeah. It's interesting, right. In that we saw a couple teams and which makes sense. We saw a couple teams kind of jump out uh, with good starts in the challenge cup because they were sort of ready to go after last season. The expansion sides obviously didn't have that opportunity, right? They had to build into the, into the challenge cup group stage, Uh, but it's paying off, I guess. And so maybe a larger philosophical question before we get into these two games that San Diego, and then we'll get to Angel City, who also won their game this weekend, is, okay, long-term, and this goes back to the scheduling maybe or or anything like that, are the teams that truly treated the Challenge Cup like preseason prize money be damned? Are they looking a little better off right now, do you think? You know, I don't even know if it's that teams that treated it as a preseason tournament. I think there's some teams that just realized we're not winning this. Um, So, like, you know, Freya didn't do, like, a lot of substitutions with Angel City. She just wanted them to play together as often as possible. And we were like, hey, so subs, you're going to use them? And she was like, maybe. Um, But I think that when they realized that wasn't going to happen, and, of course, being out of the Challenge Cup so early, or I guess after the group stages, gave them some time to – you know, look at a lot of game tape. They had a lot of stuff, you know, a, a lot of game to, games to look at and were able to tweak some things and came in pretty fresh. I mean, you're kind of seeing, you know, the spirit struggle. We're seeing, mm-hmm. you know, um, OL Reign doesn't quite look, you know, they still, they're still very talented, but they don't look as 
dominant as we thought they would be this season. Of course, it's early. North Carolina kind of, you know, they've only played one game and right. it was a loss versus Angel City, which you understand because of everything that was going on. They have not really had opener, an opportunity but... to like bounce back from right. that Right, yeah. yeah. And, and actually this, you know, I hate to say it, to frame it like this, but keep in mind, I cover the Washington Spirit. So, you know, those COVID postponements suck, but you maybe get a chance to add some rest depending on how COVID affects, if, if players are actually... Right. testing positive and have it hopefully they're not having symptoms and if they are then obviously that is something that affects them on a different level but as a team overall you're able to recover and rest a little bit so maybe when we see them back on the pitch in the regular season they won't have the same kind of issues we're seeing with rain and spirit that's a good point actually right so maybe we should briefly mention this we will get back to the california teams in a second but the big piece of off off field news this week was twofold right we got two pieces of news in quick succession uh, one being, well, actually three. I think that they're all kind of connected. One being that uh, the league hired a chief medical officer, which is great. That was a, a new stipulation in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, quickly after that, we got an update to the roster rules. It's a temporary roster rule, um, 60 days, they said, which is basically allowing teams to treat COVID absences the same way they would international duty. So you can sign a player, whether they're like a training player or an academy player, to a roster temporarily as a COVID replacement player. Once those players come back and are reactivated, you would let that player go. Um then <laughs> this is like within an hour of each other. I don't know cause and effect here. I don't know if the rule went into place because the chief medical officer said, Hey guys, or if it went into place because they got the availability reports, but we found that North Carolina is dealing with a pretty widespread COVID outbreak and Gotham is dealing with a little bit of a smaller one, um, which did eventually lead that game to be postponed. They did not postpone the game immediately when the availability report came out. I have to assume we didn't really get word on this. We'll probably find out next week. Once we get availability from those teams again, have to think North Carolina maybe had more positives once they traveled. Um, Just a bummer for everyone. But like Andre said, um, North Carolina is dealing with that short rest that everyone else is. And while now they have two rescheduled games, they got to deal with. So that's going to be kind of an issue to, to maneuver for them. They do get to regroup a little bit, which, which might help them next week. Um, so going back to going back to the San Diego Chicago game, which which fortunately I, I saw I was focused on that one, which makes sense. Uh, good, good for the pod because Andre was at the other match. But um, the thing that impressed me about the Waves win against Chicago, a little bit of a caveat with just that Chicago was dealing with some <laughs> issues yeah. with their availability report themselves. They had to I think they played five rookies in that game. So Chicago is on their own journey right now. But what I liked from the wave is that the game was kind of close. It, it was a little bit physical. Chicago knew that they had to be pretty gritty in those individual one V one defensive battles. And the wave were able to unlock that after about a half of, of sustained pressure, but not getting that final final ball through. Um, I think we saw with the penalty the wave are very smart about getting the ball forward very quickly. And so if you turn the ball over against San Diego, they're going to punish you immediately. And I think that that has caught a lot of teams who are kind of struggling with their own possession, um, you know, fluidity, it's caught them off guard. And so, yeah, you have Sophia Jacobson uh, get in a one V one with Kayla Sharples, clear foul uh, Alex Morgan. So here's, let's talk about Alex Morgan for a second. Um, so she scored five goals in the last two games, 
Three of them are penalties. If you're Vladko Andonovsky, you're really happy with how she's playing, but you're also kind of happy with how she's really good at penalties now, right? <laughs> yeah, it can only be a bonus. Uh, right? <laughs> we have known that penalties weren't the strongest suit. So uh, <laughs> it's very good to see players, you know, stepping up and putting the ball in the back of the net from the spot. So that is important. But yeah, I mean, uh, San Diego, you mentioned their, their, when they get the, when they get those high turnovers, they term, they, they transition very, very quickly, which is yeah. wild because it's a very transition based league. So you figure like most defenses are capable, are understanding and aware of that, but they're doing something to make it like I, they were hunting. It was so like watching yeah. that game, they were like trying to stay in the blind spot as long as possible. And then they sneak around like, ha, gotcha. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got the ball now and we're going forward. And they did it a couple of times. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know what they've, kind of figured out there but it's working quite well and I was actually I was really sad to see Amira Ali go off because I yeah. think she was having a great match early she but was Sophia Yakuza came in and was you know same same deal was very very dangerous yeah they've gotten very good at exploiting space yeah. which is kind of remarkable considering that they're not super settled in the midfield um so they've just gotten very good at that sort of pinpoint distribution. And then their runners up top know exactly where to be and where they're going to get space cushion. And and they run into those spaces really, really quickly. Yeah. And I agree. Amira Ali was getting so much space on that right wing. Um, and it was unfortunate to see her go off with an injury. Um, but it was like next player up and Jakobsen just yeah. kind of kept it, kept it rolling. Um, so when you have a team like that, we've seen teams, this, this quick transition, famously a team that did really well with that for the first half of 2021 was actually the Orlando pride. Mm -hmm. They were killing teams on quick turnover transition play, but then they got figured out a little bit. Do you think for the wave you're like, this is amazing, right? Nine points, three games, build those points just to see what happens as the season goes on. Does that style of play seem sustainable or at some point will teams begin to adjust? Oh, I definitely think teams will adjust. It's a long regular season, so we'll see. And they will have to figure out other things to do to to get results from games. But you keep doing it until somebody stops it. Yeah, right? <laughs> And so it's going to be interesting to see when that happens. But I do think, you know, teams with, you know, you mentioned Chicago had a few players out um, in, and so communication is kind of key in some right. of those aspects and defending some of that stuff. So I think when you do see them step up against some teams with some stronger defensive attributes, particularly in midfield as well, um, to be able to handle some of that and maybe the, not get the ball over. Uh, right. The way you counter it is to just not turn the ball over. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just keep the ball. That's, you know, um, so yeah, it was, I, I did see like some of it was just holding on to the ball a bit because you didn't really know and have that trust. And it, it kind of feeds a bit into the spirit as well. They were having a similar problem is you have some new players on the pitch and you don't release the ball as quickly as you would, if it's maybe like a player that you've got familiarity with. Um, right. But, and, and then instead it gives, it opens up the ability for somebody else, you know, this, in, in the, this case, San Diego to come and take, take possession and then create that transition opportunity. So, yeah, I think it's, it's interesting and it's intriguing. I will be very surprised if they're able to do this the entire season. Right. It's not something that traditionally has worked all year. Um, 
I will say though that I it's it's really interesting to me, and this is this is funny. Look, listening to or reading what Casey Stoney was saying going into this season, and then seeing how the team is actually playing, she was a little bit like, you know, we're gonna be technical, we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna build out of the back. We're she she was saying all of the things that, quite frankly, English managers say a lot when they come to this to this league, and then they get here. And they're like, actually, this is the most NWSL team to ever exist. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's funny because when she said all that, all of us were like cringing, like Casey, no, yeah. no, Casey, don't do that. <laughs> and apparently, she's already been like, yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, um, right. I can find spaces, go ahead and transition, and we're just gonna get the athletes out there and let them go. Um, yeah. You know, I also need to eat some crow. Um, if you've listened to me on other podcasts. <laughs> Uh, this Taylor Corniak midfield thing is kind of working. It's kind of working, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. really is. And I'm like, oh, didn't anticipate that. But one thing is so helpful, and I think it's really helping Alex Morgan is when like Corniak gets possession and she's able to deliver a pass. You no, know, there was one sequence in particular where she sprayed it wide, and then she ran into the box. That's such a great weapon to have because you cannot ignore somebody with that size in the right. box. But then it creates so much space for Alex Morgan. He's very intelligent. You give her a little bit and she'll get in there. So I'm like, I don't quite know how you defend that. But I I think having her in midfield, using her physicality and using her, they they were all about on the broadcast, talking about how she used to be a dancer. So that's okay. her, Her footwork too. But I mean, whatever it is, it is working a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, Corniak is interesting. And this is this is a little this is like a, a, a bug that's in my ear in my brain this this year is that I think um, it's difficult, I think for us at home, or even people closer to these players, I think it's really difficult to evaluate the 2020 draft class until this year. And so I think when you look at a a player like Korniak with her player profile, um, we all know physically the attributes that she brings to a team, but yeah, that idea of the ball at her feet and what she's able to do in distribution, the people who watched her in college said, yes, she has this ability. She does. She does. She said herself, I can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, She doesn't get a rookie season like at all. Pride don't even go to the challenge cup. Right. And so I think this stuff just takes time and it, and it takes a certain amount of coaching stability to bring that out in a player as well. So yeah, I agree that Korniak has been very important. Um, hopefully she'll be available for them pretty much the whole season. Um, Cause she also allows Kelsey Turnbo to, to push forward a little bit more as well. And Turnbo is also funny because she's a very physical presence somehow. <laughs> <laughs> she's a bit of an instigator, but uh but yeah, she was she got the assist on the Kaylee Reel, which ended up being the the game winner uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, which I think is also it's good to see those all those young players just just doing yeah. so well for the wave. Um, so let's switch over, okay. switch over to the team that is now in second with six points in three games. They have two wins and a loss. Uh, Angel City FC. So. I thought maybe this would happen the game, you know, that game against Orlando, they come down a little bit from the big home home match, but this trip. And again, you look at the spirit and we'll talk about what's going on with them as well. But angel city, they were, they were a brand first, right. And a lot of, of ink has been spilled and talk has been had about everything they were doing off of the field, but you watch them in a game like that and you go, Oh no, that's, that's a soccer team with some very sound principles to the personnel that they have. So tell me, Andre, what you saw specifically from Angel City uh, this weekend. Yeah, so 
it's weird because some of it, a lot of it factors in from the spirit and what they've had to do given the run that they've been on and what they have, you know, coming up. So many games, not a lot of rest, not a time to get on the training pitch, and they're filtering in a lot of, you know, newer players um, who are back from injury. They might not be new to the team, but they're new to Chris Ward and his system. Right. But apart from all of that, I mean, Angel City was, they put Tyler Lucy at left back, which was something I did not expect. And when I saw that, I was like, surely the Spirit are going to target this matchup. Right. But Ashley Sanchez did not start start the match. Um, Ward said she had a little bit of a knock in the last game. Wasn't on the injury report, but given the games coming up that he decided to, you know, not start her in this match. It's also just unreasonably hot and humid in D.C. that day, which, you know, is yeah, going to be a right. thing. Um, but I think what Angel City did very well was just control the spirit. Mm-hmm. They didn't allow them the same passing patterns. Some of that was, like we mentioned with um, Chicago, holding on to the ball a little bit too long, not trusting the teammates were going to be where you would expect, expect them to be. You know, Dorian Bailey got the start where Sanchez usually starts, and Bailey's a very good player, but doesn't quite have the on-pitch rapport with players like Anna Helferty, even Trinity Rodman, who's been, you know, who came in, and I don't believe she's even played with her um, aside from this year. So you have a lot of players who are kind of figuring each other out. Yeah, I have to also give a super massive shout-out to Jasmine Spencer mm-hmm. because every build-up that the Spirit tried to do down the wing on her side, they couldn't get away from her. You know, yeah. even they they would either if they were on the rare occasion where they could get behind her, they didn't have the pace to, to stay behind to keep her behind them. Or it was just, you know, her breaking up passing patterns and, and not allowing them to play on that side, which really limited the pitch and made everybody else's job pretty easy to track players. Even though I still think that 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 Lucy is left back thing, I'm 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 gonna be disappointed for a while that <laughs> did the spirit that. yeah, allow Frey to get away with that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, Jasmine Spencer. You know, that's it, it's a very cool story. The and and again, you talk about like the uh, the norms and the expectations that we have when when a player transitions from forward to outside back, right? Where there's a little yeah. bit like, okay, we know they can go forward. We know they have that attacking skill set. What is it going to look like in defensive transition? Um, sometimes you're like, why are we pushing this player who is good going forward back? And from what we've seen from Jasmine Spencer is that she really can play outside back really well on yeah. both sides of the ball, um, which has been, it's been huge, especially because they, they haven't had Allie Riley available for a couple of weeks. Um, so, I mean, I think we can't, yes. So Angel City did a great job of stopping the spirit. We saw that as a whole team. Um, I think Vanessa Gilles has also just been incredible yes. for them. Um, fantastic player who has had to play with a lot of different people beside her <laughs> in the yeah. early going. Um, but, you know, the game winner, the goal scorer, the difference maker in this one. This is why you signed Kristen Press, right? Yep. <laughs> 100%. It's funny watching from the press box. As soon as she got behind Morgan Goff, who was playing right back, I was like, ah, that's a problem. Like that's that's shaping up. There's not there's too much space. You know, Sonnet was a little late in coming over. But also when you when you're recovering like that, she just presses just so good at setting things up, like getting herself in the in a situation that favors exactly what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so fun to watch because you just saw it, the whole thing develop before she even struck the ball. And you were like, yeah, that that's going to go far bottom corner around, you know, around Kingsbury. And that's, yep. that's going to be the opening goal. And that's what happened. And it was like, yeah, on a, on a, on a not, you know, on a neutral note, right. It was great to see. Right. Sure. Uh, we've been kind of waiting for a goal from Kristen press. 
kind of a trademark one. You know, we, we want those 30 yard bangers, but this was such a trademark Chris and press goal. And it was great to see with angel city and them being able to ride it for a win as well. That's also important. Yeah. Uh, right. You look at the defensive performance though. I, it didn't seem again, I, I was focused a little bit more on the other game, but it didn't seem like angel city was sort of holding on for dear life. I do think no. that their, their uh, ability to disrupt the spirit was more, systemic so that you didn't it didn't look like players had to like play out of their minds to 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 hold that together but yeah i mean there's a couple strikers in the world honestly who have these positions on the pitch where if you let them get the ball and a little bit of time that's their spot and that's what we saw from Kristen press she has this ability to she, 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 Jeff Kasuf actually tweeted this out. It's an interview that he did with her back in, in 2019, I think, about um, that particular goal. Cause she knows that she's really good at that exact goal and how um, she specifically draws the defenders to her. She uses them to block the goalkeeper. She knows that that positioning is going to be off and she's shooting for that far post. And it's a little bit, it's a curling like inside of the foot. It doesn't have to have the most pace on it because it's just so well placed, which is why you saw players like know it was happening as it was happening (laughs) (laughs) because you're just watching it and you're like, that's it. That's the goal. I mean, other other players like it's like when Mal Pugh drags three defenders across the front of the box. And usually (laughs) for any other player, you'd be like, where are they going? And then for Pugh, it's like, no, that's that's her thing. That's 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 the goal. (laughs) That's what she wants to do. Um, It's like Rose Lavelle on the left foot. Right. It's like there are a couple of these players that can do this. Um, And it's just one of those things where they said it came out of nothing. I'm not sure I totally agree with that at all. Um, But it's also something where you think the spirit probably are going to watch that tape and go like, why did we let that happen? But also sometimes with a player like press, you can't stop it. Right. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think they're very smart because they did switch press. You know, she was she was on right. the other side. They switched her, you know, to get a, a favorable matchup. You know, it was, you know, they did do enough to create that. I mean, it was mm-hmm. individual brilliance from press to, you know, receive the ball, had golf in a position where she could go around her, which is, you know, she kind of took the long way inside, but she had that based on because there was, you know, uh, midfield from the spirit wasn't stepping over to block that off. And so she had a lot of space as soon as she was able to turn that corner. So like, yeah, that was, it was very well constructed, but it was kind of a combination of things on the enti- entire day where Spirit just did not have their best game at all. Right. When Ashley Sanchez came on, they looked their most dangerous, which mm-hmm. not surprising. She's been absolutely phenomenal, I think, yep. and ever since she came into the league, but her growing into this midfield role has been massive, but that's another, that's another 2020 draft pick. Yeah. Another yeah. one that just taken a huge step forward this year. Yep. Yeah, she, she's been great. But I mean, when you look at the numbers afterwards, you look at the, you know, the Spirit's XG was only like 0.5. Right. And that is something that is, we don't see that from the Spirit. Right. We'll see them maybe not be clinical and have like a, a massive SG number someplace, you know, something around two or over, and maybe they don't score a goal, but you don't see them held to 0.5. And it was a combination of Angel City did very well took the moment through a superstar player that they have reason why they brought her over there, mm-hmm. um, brought her home and, you know, they ride it for a win. So it was very well constructed and managed win, I think from angel city in their first road trip going all the way across the country. Sure. Um, so then this is maybe a good way to end this segment, which is we talked about the sustainability of what San Diego is doing for angel city. 
it's a little, it felt a little bit more like a measured performance, right? Mm-hmm. So that maybe does feel a little bit more sustainable, but it does take their starting 11 really being locked in for a full 90 to pull that off. Um, so the question for them still just has to be what happens when they sub, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think what happens when they sub, and then I also don't know if they have everything they want in midfield just yet. Right. Um, so I do think there are some answers there that they may need to look to. I don't know if that'll happen this season or next. Um, but I do think that there is that when we see them not be able to construct things as well, or be able to capitalize on those rare moments that they end up getting or manufacturing, I think it it becomes obvious a little bit in those instances that they need a little bit more help to be able to in midfield to be able to construct some of those things. So I I do think that they have maybe a bit more of a question mark there, but you are right. Like this was, and this will only give them confidence that they can do this against anybody. I mean, you go into Audi field and you manage and you control the spirit for last year's champions and you control them in the game and keep them the XG that low and, you know, all the other factors that I mentioned, it doesn't matter. The end result is the end result. And they got a one nil win on the road in a very composed way where they didn't give up a lot of chances and took the one they created. Yeah. And I think, you know, not to paint broad strokes, because as we've said a million times, it's very early on, but um, you look at the way that these teams were constructed, right? So from the very, very beginning, which is like uh, these teams are in locations where players want to play. They are being led by coaches that p- players want to play for. They started with their defense first. They built mm-hmm. defensively with two very good goalkeepers as well. Said midfield will figure it out. So they've got a defense <laughs> yeah. and they've got a forward line that is dangerous in, you know, in, in their own different ways. And that's working right mm-hmm. away. And so if you are one of the prospective expansion owners, you know, we, there was more reporting on that this week, you know, Bay area, Atlanta, Austin. I think there were a couple Ohio teams that were interested Toronto. This is the blueprint, right? Oh, absolutely. I'm like NWSL Atlanta. Let's go. I'm yeah. here for that. Like I, I really want yeah. that to happen, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I think, this is I've, I've been thinking about this quite a bit because we it took us a while to be able to see the product on the pitch, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the regular season. But I really liked both teams approach to building their squads for the inaugural season. And we have seen it not go as well. Orlando Pride. Right. Racing. I'll say racing since I'm on the Equalizer podcast. I'll say Rossing, <laughs> Rossing. But, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think we've seen that who they've given up. They I don't even know how many players are left from their expansion draft. It's not right. many. Very so I, I think you see a different approach and it working location had a lot to do with that, but soccer decisions had a lot to do with that as well. You right. know, having data analysts for angel city come in and be able to recruit players, figure out which players to recruit. Like you mentioned, good goal, good coaches that players want to play for. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being smart about how you build and where you build, where you spend that capital to say like, all right, we need to be strong in defense and strong in attack. Yep. Figure out the midfield, which isn't like a championship thing, but for your inaugural season, yeah, sure, it can work. Right. And as we saw, high transition, boot it up there, see what yeah. happens, get it there in the mixer. <laughs> Dubs, baby. <laughs> Leading the league. <laughs> All right. I think that closes out part A, section one. We'll be back in a second after this break.
All right. Welcome to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Andre Carlisle. Please rate and review this pod. Give us five stars. Give us a nice rating. It helps people find us. And that is important for us as we bring you the best independent coverage of women's soccer in the States. So let's end other end of the spectrum. We're going to go other end of the spectrum here. Um, talking about the Challenge Cup semifinalists primarily uh, and some of the trouble they're having, right? Uh, Seattle plays to a nil-nil draw in in Portland. Now, that's not a bad point, never a bad point. Yeah. Uh, I think the weather was, was pretty bad. I think that it kind of got in the way of the playing of soccer. Um, but they haven't won a game yet in, in the regular season, which is unusual for them. Uh, Kansas city is, is having some trouble kind of getting out of the gate after uh, a good challenge cup group stage. Um, the spirit, as we mentioned, they looked great in their first regular season game. And then the wheels have come off. Right. Uh, well, not entirely. That's dramatic, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I <got> they, they <laughs> were really, really good. And now they're, yeah. they're working back towards being really, really good. Um, and then North Carolina has just had kind of a tough week off the field. So, Maybe let's start with you. We've already mentioned them a little bit, but the rain, we were really high on the rain after the challenge cup group stage. Uh, but it seems like um, the mental aspect of the game is, is maybe eluding them a little bit, a lot of talent on that field, but they're just not quite linking up with each other or they're not always making the right decision in the box. They're really frustrated with the officiating, which I think Mm -hmm. at some point stops being productive, though I think, you know, they're right. But at some point, you just got to be like, okay, this is what it is, and then kind of keep it pushing. So for the rain, you think it's it's a little, call it a little bit of a funk, right? Uh, Do you think they can pull out of it? Oh, I I definitely think they can, but they they would they probably need to do that sooner rather than later. Um, it's good. this weekend's matchup is actually going to be very interesting because Rain played Spirit again, again right. and so that's going to be very interesting for the, both of those teams because they're right. in very similar places. I think with their season, um, their regular seasons, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we're seeing also Portland be different than the mm. Portland that we're used to. And I think that that has changed the rivalry a little bit. Um, you're used to kind of like very expansive open games and Portland's like, no, nah, we're not doing that. Anymore. No, <laughs> yes, not at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I personally, you know, somebody who loves attacking soccer, I'm sad about it, but I understand. It um, does. Right. It's one of those things where you're like, yeah, you're going to get points. Right. But... <laughs> <laughs> It'll work. Yes, yeah, you right. are correct. Pragmatism, yada, yada, yada. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that kind of thing is it's annoying, but I, I get it. Um, and, and also they do have a cheat code, right? If you get the ball to Sophia Smith. Right. Good idea. Yeah. She can do something crazy like she's extremely fun. But, you know, you would like to see them, you know, feed more chances, more and more chances to her. But they're like, no, nah, we're going to be defensive and, and kind of hold every, hold the other team at bay. Mm-hmm. But back to the rain, I mean, I think they do have massive spotlights. Goalkeeper Fallon Tillis Joyce has been incredible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think they have also gotten very good performances, as we expect, you know, from Jess Fishlock. Then getting players like Allie Watt back onto the um, get back into the game, you know, will be interesting to see what she can do and how they can get her in. But there are just certain things where you're getting a lot of players on the pitch, like Megan Rapino was on the pitch a bit, you know, and that was great to see. But, you know, I, I also, 
I like Laura Harvey as a coach quite a bit. And I think what she's done with the rain is very good. But some of the attacking stuff I don't necessarily get in terms of players that she's playing as like the forward. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes like hitting crosses into like just Fishlock might not be a great idea to do right. in the box, right? right? There might be better players who can be in there. And that's not something that's happened all the time. You know, Angelina as well. You know, you see different players in there who may not, who may not be best suited to play kind of like that in the box nine role. And I mm -hmm. kind of get it for other areas, but that is something that can be fixed, I think. Um, and that is something that can be looked at, but yeah, they just, they were, they were the team that scared me the most coming into, you know, this year and in the challenge cup, they looked very good. And now perhaps they're having the same thing that the spirit and everybody else that went deep into the challenge cup is looking at just it's been too much too soon. Tired legs and tired minds, I think, is yeah. a little bit what we're seeing there. Yeah, and I think at that point, with a team like that, you think, okay, well, their greatest opponent, good news, bad news, their greatest opponent is themselves, right? Yeah, and yeah. And so they, that's good because it allows you to focus on internal processes and, and, and working through that. But it can also compound mentally if you feel like you're not playing to the best of your ability you can start to focus on the other factors that are getting in the way which are valid which is like travel schedule officiating yeah. all of that um but at some point you got to put it put it all together on the field okay so moving on to um the other team that we've spent a little bit less time on kansas city so Kansas City, they really surprise people. Uh, we've said this again a million times, which is that it's not that we're surprised that Kansas City did well in the Challenge Cup. We're surprised that they did it without Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis. Yeah. Uh, does it seem a little bit like we're they are reverting back to they're still they're still a good team. They got they got a point um, against Orlando this weekend. Um, a good point uh, away. The, kind of a wacky ending to the game, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Are, are they maybe reverting to the the ceiling that they have without those two players now a little bit coming back down to earth with additionally just the difficult schedule that they've had? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there there can it's almost like just I'm going to say a word that I don't I probably shouldn't <laughs> human psychology. I'm not an expert, mm -hmm. but when you're expecting to have Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis on your team and then you don't, yeah, maybe that changes things a little bit and you're like yeah. ah, you know. Um, right. But I do think that. I've, <laughs> I've personally been been disappointed like <laughs> in, in Kansas City because I'm like, man, before the season, I was like, yeah, everybody watch out for Kansas right. City. Yeah. And then they they don't even score a goal in their first two games. And it's yeah. like, hey, what's going on here? Um, but, yeah, I think there are reasons for that. I really think they prioritize the, ch the Challenge Cup quite a bit. Yeah. You can kind of get it as a team that's kind of functioning a bit as an expansion team, right. um, given their history and where they came from and you know, they kind of had to build a whole team just to even compete in last mm -hmm. season. Uh, and then they're able to add pieces throughout that season and now in the off season as well and got some very good pieces as well. I mean, Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis great, are great to have, but not going to have at least one of those players on the pitch for this season. So you kind of look at that, but then you look at like the players that are there, still be good enough to get them results. I and agree. It yeah. was a very good result versus Orlando, but it was also like they couldn't really do anything until at least Bennett came on and she's it's a true. rookie. <laughs> well, and right. It's, it's like good news, bad news, right? Good yeah. news. At least Bennett real deal, right? She looks yeah. amazing. Um, bad news. She can't play every minute of every game, especially right. as a rookie, that workload step up is a mm -hmm. big one. You cannot play a rookie all the time in the NWSL. It's not good for them. Um, and then 
Right. And it seemed like when Bennett came on, it kind of woke Kristen Hamilton up a little mm-hmm. bit. It, it just got things moving in that front line, which is great. But then you're like, oh, no, is this the one thing that they that they have? And I don't know if that's going to be true throughout the throughout the year. Um, but no, I think Kansas City, in terms of the attack that they generated in the second half, they probably, quote unquote, deserved the win there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they were pretty disappointed with the with the choice to say that the Desiree Scott tackle was in the box. I'm not sure they agree with that. Um, but kudos to Tony Presley for roofing that penalty. Good pens this week. You know, everybody's knocking them in. I like it. Um, yeah. So yeah, with Kansas city, the schedule has been punishing and it's especially punishing when you're already down players. And I think that that's what we're seeing with the current, um, the question will be, can they make progress with the players that they have on the pitch? Or is this like a, we need to bring in reinforcements kind of a situation. Um, Yeah, no, that's a very good question. And I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. (laughs) You know, I I would like to see them try to figure it out with the players they have, because I think they can. I mean, I, I, I tweeted this, but I think Lola Bonta leads the league in like absolutely pure, clean strikes mm-hmm. that have been saved. You know, she had the one last week, Jane Campbell saved, which was just a vicious strike. And then she had another one this um, that Aaron McLeod saved in this game. And it was a very good strike. So I think they're able to find some of those pockets. And as they figure out, you know, where they can, you know, how to play together a bit more, perhaps it's just, they can work it out with the players they have should be possible but, you know, we got to see it first before we're like, OK, good. They, they know what they're doing. They, they figured this out. We haven't quite seen that yet. Um, I do want to give a shout out as well. You mentioned Tony Presley's penalty. The way she took that was amazing. The story behind her taking it is amazing. Yes. And I also love the reaction. She just roofed it and then turned just, around and just calmly walked away. Yeah, like, was yeah, just like, well, that's that. Did, did that. <laughs> I do this. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you do that. Right? It, was right. full, it was full power, full power. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, she said after the game that uh, it, it, they did, she was not the designated penalty taker. It was just because nobody else was stepping up to take it. And she says, well, that's my time, I guess. So love that energy. That's love that energy. Great energy. <laughs> yeah. And like, again, kudos to kudos to Orlando. They've got they've got four points uh, so far, which is mm-hmm. is doing well for them based on on again their challenge cup was a little bit rough um yeah so kansas city they're working through it i, I also want to shout out you know they, they do have good young pieces you look at bennett mm-hmm. alex loera has been very good for them yeah, um, the goal of the challenge cup I yeah think. exactly so um there are positives and i think that they're gonna get points i think i do think that um i just don't know if it's always going to feel like they are controlling a game. I think that those pieces that they're missing make it difficult to do that. So let's close this out with uh, the the topic of conversation that you obviously know the most about. Let's talk about the Washington spirit. So yeah. this the spirit of 2021 are known for rising above the adversity of their off-field issues, right? And they go on this amazing winning streak. Within that winning streak, they sometimes have to come back or, or unbeaten streak, I should say. Uh, within mm-hmm. within the within that, they have to come back from like being down a goal or being down a player. They get really good at sort of flipping the switch when they are uh, again adversity. They really they're they're very much like who are we playing? Who who are we against today? You know, yeah. um, that tenacity has not run out, but you can only play like that for so long. Right. Yeah. And so we saw that I think in the challenge cup final and we saw it again against angel city 
which is that idea of like, why does it take the game state changing for things to start to click? Um, So I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit with the understanding that there were other factors to play as well. Yeah, honestly, that was a question we had for, you know, head coach uh, Chris Ward coming into the season. You know, the team fought against so many things, you know, from obviously what they're dealing with, with Richie Burke and the ownership situation. But even if you listen to uh, the, the podcast that Kelly O'Hara has with uh, Just Women's Sports, the COVID uh, forfeits were right. like a massive thing for them. They hated that. They mm-hmm. absolutely hated that. And it galvanized them even further. So like they used a lot of those external and now you don't really have that you're champions you overcame you did the thing what do you how do you harness what you had before and put it together now the answer is kind of like you can't right (laughs) right you you have to kind of figure out a different method to do it a different way to play and figure that out but also and they have a lot of talented players but it is very difficult to go from that and I don't think they've quite figured it out yet and you are right like we are used to seeing the spirit be very resilient you know Jason Anderson who um, covered them for a while now works with Pro Soccer Wire was just like the team's main strength is problem solving right and in North Carolina against North Carolina in the Challenge Cup final of course we understand all the things that happened in the second half that made that what it was right but they weren't able to do it against Angel City the biggest kind of like I guess if it's not a red flag, it's definitely orange. Right? Right. They couldn't quite figure out right. how to register good chances on goal against Angel City at home after Angel City traveled across the country and not them. And so for me, it's like we do have to figure that out. And they don't have a lot of time to do it on the training pitch as well. That's something else players said after the Angel City game is that they want to be able to figure things out in training but they don't have a lot of training because they have to play games. So it's just a lot of video work and that's laborious. Right. The unfortunate thing for the spirit is that this is unlikely to improve because they have a lot of games they have to play in the next two weeks. Um, They already have played a lot of games. It also means that like in the game against angel city, we saw a number of really important leaders out just because of either, either rotation or, you know, Andy Sullivan is dealing with a calf issue and that takes time, just takes time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when when you saw someone like Trinity Rodman run a little hot at the end of that game, you're like, I don't who is the person here that is like calming everybody down, is keeping everybody focused. Um, and so I think that they have some of that to work through. Um, I think also you look at the dynamics of a team and you talk about the players that are coming back from long term injury, even if those players have been with the team a little bit longer than the younger ones it does change the leadership dynamic if you're kind of getting used to being back on the field with them. Um, so yeah, I think that it's twofold. I think it's just who they were missing and, and the inability to again, problem solve, but do it in training. Uh, so right. It's just one of those things where if, if you're at your best, when you have a problem to solve, that does mean that you've created a problem for yourself (laughs) and, uh, yeah, yeah, you have to, you have to overcome it. And, And there are enough good teams in this league that's very hard to do. Uh, we'll leave, we'll leave North Carolina alone for a little bit other than just, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them over the next month. It can't feel great to have only one game under your belt in the regular season. I'm sure they feel great about the challenge cup win. Right. But you only have one game, uh, done and it was a loss and it was a Mm -hmm. loss to angel city. And they haven't even really gotten a chance to like get back into a groove. 
Um, so I, I'm fascinated to see how they bounce back. I have faith that they will. Um, but yeah, so overall, I'll, I'll, since this is your first time on the pod this year, um, we're letting everybody chime in on this. Uh, Challenge Cup, big mess, <laughs> worthwhile. What do you think? Oh, the way, the way it was managed, big mess. You can't really, I don't think there's any other <laughs> valid opinion otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we've heard it from players, particularly Andy Sullivan um, has just been like deep sigh about yeah. that whole thing. Right. And I completely echo that. I think that there were a number of things that just, I mean, overlapping with the regular season. So, you know, scheduling as well. You know, I think Chris Ward said the spirit of played this is this coming week will be the third time that they've played three games in a week already this early in the season. And that's just a lot. It's just yeah. such, it's, it's so much to ask of players who are, should be at the point of ramping up to get into the grind of a regular season. And it's like, they're already in it. Right. So, you know, it's, it's this, it's the thing though. You, you love the monetization that came in. You love that players are getting money. Anytime you can get money directly into the pockets of players in this league, you absolutely have to do that. It did change the dynamics of it. It was no longer a preseason tournament. And it was something that like players were intense about. They had to step up the intensity level perhaps before some were ready. So I do think that all of those things are true. And in the future, how about just a cup competition? They are right. not unfamiliar things in soccer. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe my my feeling about it this weekend, agree with all of that. My feeling about it this weekend in particular is, to be frank, I don't think there were any great games this weekend. None mm. of these games I sat down and I thought, this is an amazing product. Um, some of which is because it's still early days. And the, com- mm-hmm. and the competition, the competitiveness itself is worth tuning in. We know that. Um, yeah. But there's, there was a lot of, I feel like this game was both competitive and not as high quality as it could have been. And some of that just happens, right? With you can't control sort of where teams are at, that sort of a thing. Some of it was due to the machinations of the Challenge Cup. And so Mm -hmm. you're waiting for that ripple effect to end, and we can finally get to like some still waters and, and, and keep it moving. But you see, again, what these teams have in front of them. And it's not just Washington and North Carolina. Portland has an extra game they have to play. Chicago has Mm -hmm. an extra game they have to play. Uh, it, it kind of, it, it, I worry a little bit that teams are not going to get a chance to put things together until maybe what the international break in June, you know, it's just, it's, it's troublesome to me, <laughs> troubling to me a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's what I was about to say is that like, it's going to be a while before we see some of these teams look as good as they probably could, are going to look yeah. the majority of the rest of the season, I would right. say. But then you can't, once you drop points, you can't make them back up, right? right. So that's the other thing. It's like, how is this now going to potentially impact playoffs? You know, right. you, it, who knows? You know, a team, we, we know how competitive this league is. And you have some teams that are struggling, just trying to hang on. Like in the spirit are trying to hang on. They have right. a game every three to five days until post June 17th. That's a long time to go. You yeah. know, that's a whole month to go playing a lot. And who knows how many points are going to drop during that stretch, and they could be fighting them to just get into the playoffs, given how results might go during this stretch or could go. I won't say might go, but could go. Right. And it's going to be, you know, I, I don't want to look too far ahead, but yeah, you're right. I mean, this has a lot of, it has a lot of bearing on the regular season. And I don't think a preseason tournament should actually do that. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I think maybe my, my final thought is I, I like we all like that the NWSL is, is very much leaning into how competitive the, the teams are. Um, I would love as we move forward in the future in a very general way 
for that to remain true while also facilitating some teams being truly great. Because I don't think it's good for the league if this high prioritization about this parity means in a number of different ways that just it, it suppresses the possibilities at the top. Um, yeah. Cause I would love both. I want it to be competitive and I want it to be good soccer. Um, so I think that that just has to be the priority. Well, I'm sure we will have a whole slew of things to talk about next week. Uh, we'll have more regular season games. Some we have, we have some midweeks this week. We're going to mm-hmm. have <laughs> again, poor Washington. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have two. Yeah, we're going to have quite yeah. a bit of games to, to talk about. Hopefully some of these teams can bounce back. But again, another another wacky weekend in the NWSL. Thank you, Andre, so much for joining me. I have been your host, Claire Watkins. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy, and our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast. We will be back with you next week.